The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Adam, I might need your help just keeping things on track along the lines of the way you outlined it. So, okay. Um, so if you see me floundering, <laughs> I, I will jump in. He yeah, keeps me on track free. every week. So, and I'm off the rails. So it's, it's what I do. But for all you guys too, just so you know, these are all suggestions. If you think it's stupid, feel free to make fun of it. That is fine. <laughs> You're like, what? Oh, it's definitely stupid. It was stupid. Stupid when is we kind did of our brand. Years ago. <laughs> I it was stupid when we started doing way. this stuff years ago. Yeah. Come on. It's remain stupid. That's why we're here. <laughs> there are no stupid suggestions, only stupid people. geeks and hello world i'm adam and i'm michael and we are the hosts of wizards the podcast guide to comics the podcast where we re-examine the 90s comic book boon through the pages of wizard magazine now over the last year and a half we have been lucky enough to connect with and interview many of the talented folks who gave voice and attitude to magazines like wizard toy fair inquest anime insider and more of your favorite pop culture publications but we are now in the 30th anniversary year of wizard the guide to comics. So with that, we thought, what better way to celebrate the 20-year publication legacy of Wizard Press than to gather a panel of alumni who once populated the main office there in Congers, New York, for a fun look back at the house that Seamus built. And though the big cheese himself could be with us tonight, we do have someone who helped to guide Wizard Editorial for over a decade, and he is here to help moderate our lively discussion. So now we're handing over over the mic to the one, the only, Brian Cunningham. Take it away, Brian. Hey, guys. Thank you. Good to see you all. This is quite the menagerie of personalities here. <laughs> all right. So my name is Brian Cunningham. I worked at Wizard in various job capacities, but uh, started out as a freelance writer in 1991 and then joined staff in 93 as a news editor and then gradually somehow wormed my way up to executive editor when I left in 2008. And it was a fun ride. I'll turn it over to Doug. Uh, Doug, you can introduce yourself since you officially outdate me uh, at Wizard, although I lasted longer than you did. Uh, the funny thing is, I think I was the longest lasting staffer, even showing up before Pat, Pat McCallum, the editor-in-chief, who despises me saying that because for some reason he was left off the masthead in the first issue, and I was not. So every now and then I'd remind him that I outranked him and he would almost kill me. But my name is Douglas Goldstein. I started out doing data entry in Garib's bedroom, which is the truth. And uh, by the time I left, I was doing special projects, uh, odds and ends magazines, like one shot about Pokemon and stuff, which I guess was a punishment. Um, and now I'm here on Zoom. All right. Uh, I'm not sure what order to go in here, Adam. What uh, You want to just go go through the roster? I, Who's your uh, sure. favorite? Who's your favorite? Favorite first, the least favorite. <laughs> yeah, do it in awesome order. <laughs> Well, why don't you take it over, Zach? You won me over with your uh, chicanery there. <laughs> My name is Zach Oat, and I was at Wizard, well, Toy Fair Magazine from 1999 to 2008. I started out as a copy editor, and I outlived, outlasted until I was editor when I left. <laughs> Adam Tracy, uh, I see your face. Go ahead. There was never a dull moment in the Toy Fair offices from 2005 to 2008. <laughs> 
when I got to be both den mother and managing editor of Toy Fair Magazine to some of the best guys in the business. My name's Adam Tracy. I was managing editor of Toy Fair th- for three years and then programming director for Wizard World Conventions for about a year and a half. Chris? Hey, Chris Ward, alcoholic. Um, I was I joined as an intern in 2003 and then went to research assistant with Dan Riley and Todd Casey and Jody uh, and Carl Kramer. And then I moved to staff writer slash film editing, I think, and uh, till question mark. I don't know. I still might be on the payroll. <laughs> Justin. Hey, I'm Justin Acklin. I started as an intern in 2001 for Wizard Magazine and then uh, became a Toy Fair associate editor in 2002, eventually working my way up to uh, the main editor of the magazine after Zach left, so I took over for him. And then I was the last editor of Toy Fair magazine. I drove that puppy into the ground uh, (laughs) and then transitioned to uh, the Wizard uh, digital publication, which is a story for another day. Deanna. Um, I started off as an intern in 2001 as well. Justin and I were interns together. And then I went into the research office with Dan and Jody for a little while. Then after that, I went freelance for a bit and helped out with some of the conventions. Angela. Hi, I'm Angela Hansen. Started out as an intern in 2005. I think I was kind of like an intern at large, but generally for Anime Insider and then got hired on full-time until 2009 when we the magazine closed out. I was managing editor. And Rob, you were my first boss out of college. Very welcome. <laughs> I feel like you set me on a path. Rob Bricken. Rob Bricken, born as a Toy Fair associate editor in 2001, died as the editor of Anime Insider in 2006. <laughs> he will be missed. <laughs> Greg? Hi, I'm Greg. Uh, Wizard is where I went wrong, horribly, horribly wrong. Uh, I was a copy editor, and I uh, worked on Beam Power. God save us all. <laughs> Brian Warmoth? Yeah, I'm Brian Warmoth. I interned at Wizard in the summer of 2004 and then kept freelancing for Wizard and later Toy Fair for about another year and a half. And I came back on site and eventually became the online staff writer. Uh, and I stuck around until the very end of 2007. I think yeah. that's the crew for now. So we can get this train rolling. And uh, as other people join us, we will uh, welcome them into the games. All right. Well, The goal of the event is to recreate a wizard pitch meeting, wherein the participants, all of you fine folks, will pitch content for an imaginary 300-page year-end issue, you know, for the 30th anniversary of of Wizard, which really boggles the mind that I can say that it's been around for 30 years. Uh, But we're celebrating the, the history of Wizard, which includes the Wizard Legacy of also its brother and sister magazines, the many fantastic magazines that came along. And uh, we're going to you know, share memories along the way. So I guess item number one, I mean, in a usual pitch meeting, the first thing we normally would, would ask ourselves, you know, what's going to be on the cover? What is going to be the cover? And, you know, at, at certain points in time, we had to do two covers. We had to do a main cover, which which targeted the direct market and a newsstand cover when there was a newsstand, which targeted your average non-hardcore fanatic interested in, in the material, but, you know, might otherwise not really, not necessarily uh, be concerned with like Ed McGinnis drawing a 
a Wolverine cover or something. So let me throw it out to you all. <laughs> what character best represents the legacy of Wizard? I, I think I know the answer because uh, the character probably has been on a billion Wizard covers. But you know, just mm-hmm. just for giggles, let's throw it out there. Which character would be on the? Let's all say it together: Paste Pot P. <laughs> <laughs> That's the trapster. <laughs> oh well, yeah. Who's gonna do the art, Chris? Uh, oh, gee. I haven't read a comic in a while, so I'm probably not the best person to ask that. I, I think we should get Rainbow Rider and get Frank Miller to do the cover. Brian, I think the first thing we need to establish here is, do we have any advertisers that we need to appease? By yeah, what? Thing on the cover? I think Black Bull, obviously. I was going to say, like, it's really weird. Rob Felton called me and said that the third cover would need to be cross-gen. <laughs> I actually heard from upstairs a few minutes ago and 300 pages isn't enough. We need to make it 3,000 pages. Yeah, and also Garib wants it to be called Variant, 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 and Dr. Fauci is not happy about this. <laughs> <laughs> poor timing. Very poor timing. Well, I got a hot new artist that we can, uh, we can tap for the cover. His name is Garib, and man, this guy is hot. Mm. Uh, he's a friend of Wizard. And maybe we can do a, a, a remake of the death of Captain Marvel, the graphic novel. And death is holding a bunny. <laughs> the bunny have a man. <laughs> is it common knowledge that Garib is now a fine artist? And uh, yeah, he's doing amazing, amazing uh, blob work. Read about it. Last I saw. Really well, good. That's what I was going to say. It would be a gimmick cover, right? Because it's textured art, you know, so you can really just make it pop out there. Bring back the gimmicks. You can do gimmick. some 3D printing. All joking aside, a cover where the wizard bunny holds a dead and broken garab in Crisis on Infinite Earth style would be the most amazing cover ever, especially if <laughs> the rabbit is wearing the magic hat. Or a dead and broken keep squeezing the monkey's lad. Yes. Hey, look who it is. That's it's Russ Merlin game. How you doing, Russ? Hey, sorry about that. My uh, technology failed me repeatedly and it took me 10 minutes to log in. All good. So I do think that at various times in all of our magazines, there were our go-to folks. I remember uh, Angela with and Rob with anime. They would always come in and tell you guys that you had to put Yu Yu Hakusho on the cover. <laughs> Remember when we had to write about Zatch Bell because they told us to? (laughs) (laughs) But I did that happily. I love that show about a little (laughs) demon boy who cried all the time. (laughs) Brian, I assume before you were referring to the fact that Wolverine appeared on the cover a couple times for Wizard. On special. I did. I I did. Uh, Yeah, he he seemed to be the kind of the poster child of wizard covers I, I think he held the record of number of wizard covers you got you know the wizards guys probably know could probably tally that uh how, how many wolverine covers did wizard do guys do you know we will have that tally we will pop it up on the screen when this goes <laughs> public we will tell okay. everybody yeah we, and, and I'm, I'm including the hugh jackman wolverine i'm including okay. all that it's all yeah. wolverine any version okay at this point where we are in the podcast, I think Spawn has the most covers right now. He's been on quite a few already, and it's like heavy on the Spawn. I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> wonder why that is. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. It's kind of All ironic right. given our position on Spawn later on in the uh, wizard life cycle. Would Alex Ross be willing to do a cover of cat posing as Galactus? <laughs> Bring him out of retirement. Give him the old suit. 
like Red Guardian. I ah, tried to get back into the suit. You think you can do it? <laughs> Someone online wanted to know what happened to those suits. And I actually was wondering too, what happened to that, that all that stuff? Suit. I think those are in Dan Riley's closet or storage right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> collecting ghosts. Uh, of course they are. He used to dress up think... as Dr. Doom. He's probably got that one. Yeah. He's dressed up as Dr. Doom right now. I just got him on a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> that's a sex thing so yeah <laughs> so direct market cover what, what what shall we do here what embodies the the 30 years that wizard uh well i guess wizard didn't exist 30 years but uh what would you say 20 can we get yeah, 30 different years. versions of wolverine onto one cover i think we can find them at this point no, you're we probably need to do right 30 different variant covers each one with wolverine a different version of them or her or her so this is as uh, if the magazine was coming out now yeah Okay, got it. <laughs> I mean, I, I very much enjoyed the uh, the wizard bunny holding the dead Garab. I mean, I just feel like that's for direct market. They will get it. Too right? sad. <laughs> True. No. The tagline for the cover needs to be the MCU's Wolverine inside as a huge misdirect, because then we'll just do something about like, well, here's who we'd like to see. Has <laughs> <laughs> to call. <laughs> God damn, that's, that, that brought memories back right there. <laughs> There's an amazing poster of Wolverine from the 90s. <laughs> I can't believe I'm bringing this up. Brian, do you mind if I share my screen? Because I think we should do Go a different it. new artist should do a version of this for the cover. Are you ready? I will this is a family it, Zoom, by the way, Adam. Family Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> it was. <laughs> uh, All right. Buddy Scalera is trying to get in. Let's let him in first. Must we? <laughs> oh, is it, you had this oh, on your wall, yeah. Adam? Yep, I was <laughs> maybe I was ten, I was nine or ten years old when I saw this in the comic shop, and I'm like, Wolverine's so cool, and he's fighting a shark. Everyone else that walked into my room had a different thought. Is this a Frazetta? <laughs> <laughs> a Jusco? It's looking pretty. Uh, I don't know who that is. Oh, Stacy. Stacy did it. Oh. <laughs> Hey, Buddy Scalera's here. Hey, buddy. Hey, guys. Hey. Hi, buddy. Hey. How are you guys? Fantastic. I was late on my deadline again, Brian. <laughs> you sure were. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, I stepped away from the last 24 hours before I have to submit my book for this. Oh. <laughs> Great. Buddy, what years were you at uh, Wizard? I freelanced from 93 and a half or 90, around 94. Then I started February 95. And I think I left around 2000. And then I just freelanced after that. And what were your official titles, buddy, for those who haven't heard your interview? Online editor. I never got promoted. Buddy, were you before or after they started using the site to allow people to keep track of their collections? Uh, there was no electronic when I started. Oh, we started yeah. on AOL, right, Brian? Yeah. We literally had... The entire company was on one email address. If you remember, Doug, you remember that. Doug, you used it. It was Wizard TGTC, Wizard the Guide to Comics at AOL.com. We officially had one email address for the whole company. I remember being 19 and doing my internship and trying to tell people that we should do more on the internet. And then at some point, Yanarella telling me, you should write about comic book resources because they're really interesting. <laughs> All right. So, buddy, as you came in here, we were just discussing the cover image for a 30th anniversary issue of Wizard, where we're very, the, the sharks are circling Wolverine in a Speedo underwater. But is there, <laughs> do you have any suggestions for a character who should be on the cover? What? <laughs> <laughs> what was, was that from the Marvel Swimsuit Edition? Brian, did you draw that? 
It's from Adam's personal collection. From Adam's personal collection? I it's like it. A it's of, a good one, Adam. A lot of questions for 13-year-old Adam, let me tell it's you. Subtle. <laughs> it's very subtle. It's I don't know You're what they're yeah. for. Yeah, it, it's nuanced, right? It's one of his etchings. I mean, the lighting is really amazing. And it's Honestly, hard to be my lighting favorite water, part correct? is the, the expression on the shark. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so misleading MCU Wolverine scoop for the newsstand cover and the death of Wizard Bunny for direct market? Was that what we were circling? No, it was, it was the death of Garib with the Wizard Bunny holding him. <laughs> yeah. I, I vote A. I vote I. I vote I. If I, if I vote I, I think it's the first time I ever got a vote because I was only ever an intern when I was in the building. <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's good. I think, I think we, got, we got both covers set. We're good to go. It passes. All right. Do we have artists? Do we need to do artists or we need to move oh, yeah. on? Well, we said Garib. I mean, do we think he could, uh, is he, is he going to oh, so, put himself in the bunny's arms? So death of Garib by Garib. Okay. Yeah. I gotcha. In blob <laughs> art? Yes. God, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Does he get his art back when he's done? When it's done, <laughs> it's gonna cost like ten thousand dollars. In true like, wizard fashion, he'll never get his art back. So is this my <laughs> diabetes speaking, or does Garib's art look like delicious buttercream mm. cake? Doesn't it? I mean, I get. I mean, I'm hungry all the time, but it makes me extra hungry. It just looks like a sweet treat. <laughs> a little bit like Greg Orlando. Speaking of sweet treat, <laughs> thank you, buddy. We hope to interview him some point on the podcast, just as a heads up. <laughs> we'll ask you what flavor his art is. Yeah. Okay, I just pulled up his Twitter and the the background image. It really does look like Fruit Loops. Doug, are you yeah. upright? Oh, I look. Oh, I'm relaxing. You look. You look very relaxed. <laughs> I don't. I don't really have muscles in my spine anymore, so I just kind of lean wherever I go. Are you wearing pants? I'm wearing pants. I'll call you separately to discuss that. Is that is that that uh that long number that you wear that night dress that you belt sometimes? Again, I'll talk to you separately about that. Let's just say if he was wearing pants, he would be the only robot chicken person to do so. Is that unanimous? <laughs> okay. Yeah. But if I can suggest an artist, I don't know anybody who encapsulates Wizard's impact in the comic book industry as Rob Liefeld. Yeah. <laughs> Might be a little rough if you mentioned that the idea came from a meeting with us, though. Uh, for those who are not aware, Bob blocked us uh, with a little help us. from Chris Ward uh, and James Wong. what I did. I didn't say shit. We're starting a swear jar that every time we say Rob Liefeld, we got to put a dollar in the jar because we keep getting in trouble with him. So we got to keep our, our Rob Liefelds on, on check. Rob Liefeld? What, what, what issue of Wizard are you on? Uh, we're coming up on issue 39. So Jesus, you just go ahead and start making a college fund because that's <laughs> the only way to for wizards talk of Rob Loyfeld. But maybe that's the olive branch. Just give him one more wizard cover. Finally, he loves the exposure. So or give him the swagger. You can do the newsstand cover where he draws Glenn Danzig as Wolverine because obviously that's who's going to be cast as Wolverine. <laughs> hey, hey Cunningham, I, I, I brought my original. This is the notebook i used to take notes in in uh news meetings and stuff wow and i actually wow. has it it says here write up write up liefeld due by june 2nd write up liefeld pitch loose outline by weeks in i don't, I don't think it ever happened <laughs> I, I recently went back and the first thing that i ever had published in wizard with my byline on was a rob liefeld interview uh, i at this moment can't remember what it was but it was 99 so you can pretty much extrapolate from there <laughs> rob has touched us all yeah. <laughs> Not according to the court documents. 
<laughs> I knew I was waiting into that. Yeah, that, that cover is going to be tough to do because it, isn't it multiple versions of Wolverine? I mean, Rob kind of has one style, but okay, we'll try it. We'll give it a roll. <laughs> we'll draw one cover and we'll color it differently 30 times. All right, so now let's get to pitching uh, feature stories. All right, what's the, what's the story covering these two cover pieces? How do we cover the death of Garib? Oh, my God. I was going to say comic book's biggest pitch. <laughs> Isn't that what we always... No? We're not doing that anymore? Okay. About all the crises we face during our time at Wizard. Just yeah. an extended oral history. And each t- in between each one, we can have Garib wander through and say, Hey, have I met you before? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it could be the toy body Garib popping up throughout the, the issue. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just 20 years worth of magic word, uh, not magic words. What the hell was this colony from the top? From I the had top. to edit that. Yeah, that, uh, that's why I can't remember anything in my hands shake all the time. <laughs> well, you know, Wizard was always great at commissioning its own amazing artwork, sometimes for these huge articles. So I suggest we do that. Have a two-page spread, let's say painting, of Garb's body on the slab with his chest cavity pulled open for the uh, embalmer to start doing his work. Alex Ross would be all over that, I think. <laughs> but popping out of the torso is uh, superheroes and anime characters and oh, yes. the Magic the Gathering cards and all sorts of stuff. I was, was going to say, is he going to be buried with hero clicks? Is that what's inside <laughs> the tomb? Exclusives? If we're commissioning art, can we get Ryan Dunleavy to do a yes. cross section of the 151 Wells Avenue building? Yes. Yes. <laughs> can we get a quick sidebar on Donato and just about his life? <laughs> he would defer that would be, that about the biggest about the biggest deer he killed in the warehouse. And his crossbow that he used to kill things. <laughs> since I since I used to live in his mother-in-law's basement, I think I could write that up very well okay you're in i know sources how many pages would this oral history be gotta be quite a few it's a that's at least a six pager maybe a uh, ten pager i was gonna say 20 I mean, it depends whether you edit out the swear words or not if this is a 300 page <laughs> issue i say 200 minimum <laughs> true story i uh I briefly considered before doing the Josie book that I did uh, trying to write a book about Wizard and was talked out of it by other Wizard staffers. <laughs> you would just take all of Adam's notes that. from the podcast and just put that in the book and it's, that'll be your entire oral history right there. No one has to write anything. He's done it already. All right. Any other sidebars? What else? What other sidebars can we put in this thing? Your guide to the secret bathroom? Yes. But that, doesn't it feel like, I mean, I know there was an incident in maybe the secret bathroom that we've been told about. So, should there um, be yeah. a true crime type sidebar? <laughs> like a usual suspect. That was the main bathroom. That was the Yeah, uh, I was going to say that. I don't know if it, it happened in the... There was no secret about it that. It definitely happened in the secret bathroom, too. It was it was a cereal. The phantom shitter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was the great... I, I, yeah, the, the secret bathroom meeting. was just a secret. Was, I think that's a whole feature, for sure. Nobody ever knew about that. <laughs> I nominate... I nominate Steve Blackwell because uh, he he would tell me about what an upper decker was at least once a month. So I'm pretty sure it was Steve Blackwell. <laughs> I think a sidebar to the bathroom sidebar is the ladies' room. Is there really one? What if we no? Can we get Ryan DeLavey to do also a board game like Clue? That's like the Phantom Shitter, but like a Clue version. That's so good. That would be really with I all the suspects. That. 
with all of everybody who's a potential suspect. I love yeah. that. Did they at one point take away the downstairs women's bathroom and make all the women go upstairs? Or the warehouse. Yeah. God. Yeah, I think so. I remember going upstairs. I remember using the bathroom upstairs and like two or three different times I somehow managed to cut my hand on the molded plastic paper towel dispenser thing, which is not a sharp object. So you're like, how did that happen? And I can only assume that it craved blood for a second. Yeah. <laughs> the wizard building wanted your flesh. Yes. <laughs> There was always the, the the girls' bathroom was always empty when I was there. This was, was there was one in two thousand and one, but I was the only one ever in it because I was pretty much the only girl there on that floor. Everybody else is upstairs. I have to say that within thirty minutes of this reunion, it's already gone down the crapper. We're, we're, we're <laughs> surely we are there. So <laughs> this is a lot of totally accurate feature meeting. Well played, Pope. <laughs> All right. Uh, what else can we? Uh, what else can we do? I, it seems like we're missing things. This oral history of wizard is great because I think it, it could cover so much. Um, <laughs> I, I love the idea of a secret bathroom. Oh. I love the clue game with the phantom shitter. That's awesome. Ryan, can I uh, pitch? Can we get comics pros to rank their top ten wizard staffers as a revenge? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, can we get their kids who are now in their twenties to bug us? <laughs> Brian, I'd like to know about the making of some of those wonderful pranks. The behind the scenes, uh, untold true stories of dummies you mean when and, I, and packing you, peanuts and you mean when I stole when I stole your car, buddy? <laughs> no, Brian, when you ate the carrots in the bag on my desk and put them back in, and then I had to leave early from work because I was uh, a germaphobe and I was so horrified. I I left. I just left my computer and I just left. There were little nibbles out of the cat. The carrots and they were put back in and I ate one and, and Fasolo said, Brian nibbled your carrots and put them away. At which point <laughs> tears welled up in my eyes. I got my car keys and I went home. I think Buddy's like, getting closer uh, right now. I, I like the stolen car story a little better. <laughs> uh, there was a, quite a bit of hijinks, um, not the least of which. You, I think you threw a dummy off the roof, Brian. I, I was not I was not part of that. I was, I witnessed it like everyone else. <laughs> that was Pat, right? Was he alone in doing that? I think he was alone. It was uh, Jack, Pat and Blackwell. Oh. <laughs> no, Brian had played his fair share of pranks on me. I guess I was the gullible one in the Toy Fair office. Jack, everyone knew you didn't like pranks, so they just went double hard, I think. Pat knew. I don't know if it was your idea or Pat's idea to call me up and as a pretend to be a DC lawyer. I, 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 I forget who. You, you went along with it, certainly. That was Pat's idea. Yeah. I, I just I was merely a a uh, an underling in that endeavor. <laughs> I think the pranks yeah. could be a full feature because I know there are pictures floating around of <laughs> those. Get a real good visual guide going on. Like how much tinfoil do you have to plan on acquiring before you go in and start? You know, how do you even estimate that? Pat had bottomless pockets. He probably still has foil in the trunk of his car that he didn't use. Can we give uh, can we give some context to some of that so that people who might actually watch this uh, have a have a sense of what we're talking about? We want both of them to know. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> the wizard staff wrapped the entire Toy Fair office in aluminum foil. Everything from the action figures on my desk down to the floor. The floor was covered in aluminum foil. Exactly. The How many action figures did you have? I had a lot of action figures. On. All of the action figures. All of them. At least more than 25, right, Zach? 
<laughs> Definitely. As, as Stephen Seamus liked to tell any girl I was interested in talking to at the time. Uh, this guy's got so many action figures. You should see his desk. It's covered in toys. <laughs> Articulation. Yeah, honestly, the action the action figures were part of the biggest shock to my system going from working at a nerd publication to working for normal. <laughs> I think my, I briefly worked at a home and garden book publisher because it's like, you know, Wizard, we were encouraged like, yeah, buy, buy lots of toys, decorate your work area. It's super fun. Everybody did it. And then <laughs> it's like I had all these items and I, and I took everything with me <laughs> when it folded. I was like. I can't like they they've just hired me at this book publisher place. I can't like pour out a hundred toys on my desk. They're gonna look at me funny. I, so. Angela, I'll never forget my first time working with normies and realizing that there are people who I work with that don't know who Bid Fortuna is. <laughs> it was the strangest feeling. Weird. I, I want to ask, has anybody had this experience yet? Because I, I know people don't remember or know what the fuck wizard is sometimes, a lot of times. And I'll be in a meeting and I'll go, when I was at Wizard and everyone's like, whoa, what are you talking about? Like, you're a wizard? Like, go back. <laughs> like, I can't just like colloquial, colloquial say it. It's just not, nobody knows. See, I've been working at <laughs> Geek website for 10 years. And so when I say I was at Wizard, they're just like, holy shit, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> I think mention of Wizard is like on my official bio at my super normie b2b publication job now do home and garden magazine employees keep like potted plants and like uh, <laughs> hand towels on their desks at work they didn't at the time but i got laid off after a year so maybe i just didn't level up to that point <laughs> but i've been writing about convenience stores for a decade now there's just succulents as far as the eye can see <laughs> was, was it on sunday night that's a whole uh, other story nobody, nobody got that. Oh, oh, okay. Now I get it. Okay. That needs context for audience. Yeah, <laughs> let's give some context to that, Chris. Everything cut out, so I don't know what happened. It because nobody spoke. <laughs> <laughs> you killed the fucking room. <laughs> not my monkey, not my circus. <laughs> All right, so shall we move along? Any any other pranks anyone wants to talk about before we uh, move it on? I thought the string prank was pretty cool. Pat and his goons got my uh, got the wizard office with the string. They tied everything with string, and uh, it was kind of neat because I cut a path through to my desk. And somebody came around and said to me, "You gotta you gotta cut all this junk down." And I said, "No way." <laughs> I had my own little like hobbit hole of string and a little path into my desk, <laughs> and I worked that way for like I don't know. I want to say like two or three days before somebody else decided I was being serious and they cut it down for me. Sounds like a deleted scene from Labyrinth. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. It was a neat prank. I, I, give the, I give McCallum props for that. Brian, didn't somebody fill a bunch of solo cups? You know those red solo cups? Didn't somebody fill like a thousand red solo cups halfway with water and cover the wizard bullpen? Like side to side. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like it's actually very elegant. Covered the floor yeah. with, with solo cups and like it spelled something too, right? It like spelled, it spelled April Fool's Day. And this is every April 1st. Every every April 1st, it was a string. It was the solo cups full of water. Oh. Uh, uh, I want to say there was something else. And now I cannot remember what it was. Um, Somebody's face was photographed a thousand times and pasted on the inside of blinds, 
the inside of people's workbooks. Was that, that Gremlin? Who was that? that was, no, that was Greg Orlando. Yeah, Greg was on the uh, Greg. Your your face was on the blinds, like blown up like a thousand times, right? <laughs> yeah. Was that Greg's face in the toilet? No, above the was, toilet. No, that was no, Gremlin, wasn't that it? Was that was Gremlin. Gremlin. That's, That's what, what I was thinking. Okay. He was wishing you have a nice shit. Yes, some of the- <laughs> yes, <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> some of us saw- were recycled. I always I wondered that, what that face was. I saw that face in the bathroom long before Grambling came back and became editor in chief. And I was like, oh, you're the toilet guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then, true story, the day that Fred Pierce lost his job, the Scott Grambling head in the toilet fell off the wall. And Scott uh, said it was because oh, wow. his, uh, his job was done. <laughs> I want to point out that a few minutes ago, everyone was joking. There's a moment of silence, and Brian gave a slightly exasperated sigh and said, moving on, and tried to get people back on track. And that filled me with such deja vu. That, <laughs> that happens at least twice a day back at Wizards. This, so that was a real this is total authenticity. <laughs> this could be an old meeting verbatim. Do we have Palm- yeah, another coverage factored into this yet? So we have what? Sorry? Uh, Palmiati coverage. Has that been taken care of? Yeah, get him in. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, I don't know if this is a prank or not, but I wore this shirt sort of in um, memory of there's there was an ugly shirt that hung in the intern cave, and I, I can't remember the story behind it, but it was the world's ugliest shirt, and they made an intern wear it, or they took it from him. What was up with that? They beat him and took his shirt. What year was that, Chris? It was it was there when I got there. It was like this horrible intern cave, and then they had this shirt nailed to the the wall. It was really ugly. And it was there for years and years and years. That preceded me, I think. This sounds like I remember it. I got super lucky because my internship started the same day that you guys hired Lawson and Cotton. And so for the whole time I was there, people just assumed I was a real employee. <laughs> I remember the shirt. I don't remember what it was, though. I don't remember yeah, there's why a was story there. behind it, but I can't remember what it is. Like, it, it was so ugly, they made him hang it on the wall. There's a lot of intern stories, and I feel like that could be a sidebar too. Like a yeah, very yeah. comic style, Recall. true tales of intern intense. Hall of Fame. Do we, yeah. do we know intern Hall the, of Fame? Perfect. Sure. Do we know who the youngest intern ever was? Was it? I know the I know the oldest was. Just six page intern guy, maybe eight page. The legend of man turn. Yes, we need to know about man turn. Was the youngest Sputnik? He always seemed kind of young to me. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers. Ryan, you mentioned the April Fools. Uh, We could do an entire feature, I think, on the different April Fools things from the different magazines from Toy Fair, Anime, and Wizard. I think we got that with the greatest Wizard pranks there, right? No, Adam's talking about the article. Pranks on the reader, you're saying, right, Adam? Like the like the pranks we did in the magazine, the uh, the April Fools pranks we did in the magazine. I'm thinking of one in particular for Toy Fair. What was that? The barriers. What was it? it was it breaking down the barriers? Justin, do you want to elaborate? Wasn't the barriers your idea or was that you, Zach? It was, we kind of like cooked it up one day at, at lunch. The barriers was a fake 80s toy line that we invented. Um, and we claimed that it was just forgotten. It was like really obscure. And there was a toy company that was going to bring it back. But we had seeded it for several months. We did, speaking of Ryan Dunleavy before, we had done a huge uh, like 80s art jam that, that he drew. That had like every 80s character you could possibly think of. And we put one of the barriers in there like three months before the issue, trying to seed them that they were this forgotten 80s toy line that uh, no one knew about. And then we actually legitimately uh, fooled some people and it was 
it's the best. But there is a lot of a lot of really great ones in, in Wizard as well. I remember. I think it we should. Am I misremembering, or was did did you guys announce like a false Star Wars toy at one time that was like not a real release? Rob, that was your Star Wars holiday yeah. special toys. Well, a yeah, lot of the a lot of the April Fool stuff was also had an eye towards like this is fake, but we hope it really happens. The uh, Yummy Mummy and what was it? We Steve Niles doing the General Mills. Yeah, General Mills. The Goonies announcement. Wasn't there a Jeff Johns Goonies announcement? Jeff Johns Goonies. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Classic. Um, Hoping these things would actually happen, and in some cases are kind of have. So it's weird. The Wonder Twins form of water. The Alex Ross special issue. Did we ever do any April Fool stuff for Anime Insider? I don't even remember. Like I feel like I, so. I feel like we, a lot of the Japanese studios would have gotten really pissed at us if we. You they would have gotten pissed anyone good. else in the building that half of the stuff in the magazine was an April Fool's issue, and nobody else would. <laughs> and we did. Like we would literally just make up things for, especially upstairs, and they were like, "Okay," and we would do whatever we wanted because they wouldn't remember any of the titles or names anyway. <laughs> It was nice being the smallest kid, like the one they gave the least attention to. Wait a minute. That's got to be Inquest, right? No, those those guys were a machine. Like, It's a shame we don't have Inquest people on this call. Yeah, it is. Excuse me. They they were cyborgs who did their machine efficiently, like a factory, as far as I can tell. (laughs) And no one under knew, had the, people knew what card games were in theory. No one knew anything about anime. It's funny because I actually did a phone interview for an internship at Inquest before the internship I actually got. They did not opt to bring me on because it quickly became clear I, I didn't know anything about card games. Could have been other reasons. The, uh, uh, <laughs> I, I, I know what I, I, what I feel like believing. Actually, I think the guys upstairs knew one thing about anime, and that was that Pokemon was technically anime. And so Rob... <laughs> was so joyous in his accepting of the the order of more Pokemon content. (laughs) You know, my heart was really with Duel Masters the entire time. (laughs) I was a Duel Masters guy from the very beginning. And even though I didn't know what it was or who started it or how the card game worked, or even if it was really made in Japan, boy, that was my, that was the true love that I brought through. And I hope that, that came through in every issue of Anime Insider. You are clearly a Mets fan amongst the Yankee fans. Exactly, indeed. All right, guys, I'm going to say a deadly word for you, but deadline. We got a deadline. We got to get this magazine out. What's next, Brian? All right. Are we good with features? Can we move on? Real quick, six-page biography of Bozzy. Yeah. <laughs> Be still my beating heart. I want to know... I want to know about her entire life. I don't. I don't mm-hmm. need it to be salacious. I just want to know who that woman is. Yeah. Two of those pages would be a an electronic diagram of her circuitry inside and what made her work. Just a bunch of gears and clockwork. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Russ Wooten really in the same I think condo complex as she did at Once Upon a Time. So Russ Russ might have the the secret of Bossy. We don't know the origin. Bossy, uh, for those, do we want to give context? Adam, please he do was, let us know. He was the wonderful receptionist. He was office. our receptionist at the front desk, and oh. she received visitors. She received uh, when we got like FedEx packages and UPS packages, and she was always very diligent when packages arrived, and she would call over the intercom 
Uh, or when phone calls came in, she'd call over the intercom. Brian Cunningham, you have a call online too. Uh, Justin Acklin, you have a FedEx um, at the front desk. And one day she came over the intercom. I forget whose name it was, but I'm going to pick on somebody who can't defend themselves here. She went over the intercom. Dan Riley, you have a small package up front. Dan Riley, you have a small package up front. <laughs> And the whole first floor died laughing. <laughs> and poor Bozzy was just up front going, what? What did I say? <laughs> All right, let's go to, uh, let's, let's go to uh, magic words. So since Wizard Ooh. hasn't gotten mail in like a decade, we're going to ask Chris Ward burning questions you've always wanted answers to. Okay. You ready for this, Chris? Sure. What are, did you are, do? Are they all from prison? Chris, those we are the Jason, best. We have Jason the Newt Knutson. Uh, yeah, no, we, we don't. We don't have that. Do you, think Jason, do you think Jason the Newt Knutson? He should probably get his own little sidebar because he was just the guy who wrote in so much, and we just sort of grew to love him, right? He had these kind of odd letters, and he was just, you know, became a wonderful little character. I think you printed a letter from him in every issue. I, I don't think. Yeah, I don't remember why. It's just his, you know, his tenacity, you know, and his jovial nature. I don't That's know. A contributor, Chris. What did you do that got you called a loose cannon? I don't think I ever know what what the origins. Okay, are. so we used to run a section in Magic Words called Weirdo Mail, where we would take the weirdest letter and just make fun of this person, which is really a bad idea. And um, <laughs> this guy wrote me a letter that said he couldn't get excited when making out with his girlfriend unless, the, unless Fantastic Four was on the TV. And he, he seems really serious. And I uh, made fun of him and made fun of his name and all this shit. And um, he called and left messages on everybody's answering machines. This is a, I'm a, I'm a born again Christian. He sounded like this. I'm a professional type person, a celebrity in Southwest Detroit. A uh, person, Chris Ward, uh, Chris Ward with his magic words. Uh, he, he shouldn't have insulted me in print in a libelous fashion, uh, Mr. Chris Ward. So you should look into uh, somebody else doing this column. I, I will have lawyers. And, like he went on for minutes, like three, five, like five, six minutes. And um, I think that's, and then he called me a loose cannon. And then that just kind of stuck. But I would use that recording when I was on the radio, you know, in different audio things I did. And so like for like 15 years, I've just loved that voicemail. You know, no, nobody, if anybody calls you a loose cannon in earnest and doesn't ask for your badge and your gun, that's a crazy day. <laughs> if you want to hear an audio clip from that voicemail, you can go back to Chris's interview on the wizard files. Anybody that is your curiosity is peaked now. I will say that's the difference between Wizard and Toy Fair is Wizard had a little bit of a contentious relationship with their audience and Toy Fair was just a love fest. We yeah. had our, our letters column sidebar was foot friends of old Toy Fair where people would send in pictures of themselves with the Toy Fair magazine and the celebrity and occasionally actual celebrities would send in the pictures. My favorite was the lead singer of the gin blossoms. Is that Goo correct? Goo dolls. Oh, yeah. I think it was gin blossoms. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> uh, send in a picture like they were touring with the spin doctors so it was a picture of himself on stage with the lead singer of the spin doctors holding a picture of uh, toy fair magazine 
there's, right, a, so there's a great photo, there's a great photo of Fred Durst at Woodstock '99 with the copy too. It's wonderful. <laughs> and just clarify, the questions? questions for Chris could be questions from the universe as well. They don't have to be just wizard related. Let his wisdom flow out to you all. Chris, did you ever meet any Magic Words letter writers in person at shows or anything? Thank God, did they no. ever seek you I out? Don't, no. I don't think I so. Um, no, I never did, and and no one got out of prison and tracked me down. I think and, you did, and they just they just didn't have the guts to go through with it. <laughs> I've had a I've had a weird relationship with the public because like people who write letters to a magazine aren't you know it's the same people who call into radio shows, and those were the people who were my audience for a long time. And it was you met all kinds of strange people. Like somebody airbrushed a Wonder Woman on a rag in a prison workshop and mailed that to me. So no, I don't think I ever met anybody that I remember. I have a distinct memory, Brian. Do you remember? I think we were going to San Diego. It was one of the early, early shows. And we met some young fans at the check-in booth. And they were absolutely starstruck meeting us. By, by you. They were starstruck by you. And what, one of them shook our hands and goes, I'll never wash my hands. <laughs> Everyone were like, please do. It's I, I asked your that benefit. girl, I'm like, what what uh, she she was holding her hand like like it was in pain. And I said, Are you okay? And she's like, Buddy shook this hand. <laughs> wow. Yeah, was, that was, was that was amazing. I had a fan. Singular. Well, I had a fan and I got to meet that fan. I think I was more excited about that than the fan. I never yeah. washed my hand ever again either. <laughs> I was say, like we dysentery five years later. <laughs> you do all that stuff. The worst thing I can imagine saying at a comic book show is, "I'm never going to wash my hand leaving." <laughs> <laughs> I've got a question, Chris Ward. What was your favorite memory from a wizard show on the road, off the show floor? God, that I can tell. Um... <laughs> that you can't tell. Whatever. I liked when, I won't say who, I was standing in a group of wizard staffers, two of them threw bottles over a balcony and we heard the shatter. And then we heard, what the fuck? And we took off running and jumped in an elevator and went down a floor and the doors opened and the guy was standing there and he was like, you mother, we're going to get you. And, and then the doors closed. We went up a floor, went back down a floor and opened it up and he was there again. <laughs> you really showed him. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, nothing I can, I don't know. It was pretty wild days. A lot of them, I don't re really remember. We, I think Ricky shoved a bunch of furniture inside an elevator. A lot of these are elevator-based, so. <laughs> I remember getting off the show floor late one night in Chicago and trying to go to my room, and I pushed the elevator button, and the doors open, and there are two couches and four potted plants <laughs> inside the elevator, and I can't get into the elevator to go to my room because <laughs> it's just so full of furniture from one of the lobbies. To be fair, Chris was from the Midwest, so elevators were kind of a, a novel idea for him. <laughs> Exciting, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, anybody else have any wild stories? We stole uh, Jim Lee's hat, and uh, yeah. Jim McLaughlin had a complex plan involving like multiple people. He grabbed the hat off his head, uh, off uh, Jim Lee's head, and then he threw it to me, and I ran to an elevator, Elevator, go figure. And I threw it off to somebody else, and the guy went down the elevator. I went up. You know, it was a, a complex uh, maneuver stratagem devised by Jim McLaughlin. And we made that with his hat, too. Jim Incidentally, Greg, that was Chicago. Just reread that story. 
It's we all should have, because it we was should have a diagram. I mean, it was like <laughs> it was like Robert E. Lee d- designed this strategy, uh, and it was just you know like or you know to use a comic book reference, maybe the thinker. <laughs> Seems more like Ocean's Eleven kind of a scheme. <laughs> Jim McLaughlin is definitely the George Clooney of this Ocean's Eleven heist. <laughs> <laughs> definitely you know more. I, I would love. I would love to see a photo history of wizard swag. I was just looking for it. But the one piece of swag that I always admired was that we had wizard branded box cutters, which always struck (laughs) me as a mistake, right? Like somebody's dying, bleeding in an alley. There's a bloody and they go, oh, it has a return address on it because why not (laughs) have a wizard box cutter? Because there was one guy in the back cutting boxes. We had thousands of them. I would imagine that either Brian or Doug has the greatest wizard swag collection from varsity jackets to i, I have the uh, official wizard prison shave i don't know if anybody else has that but uh you know it's so i have a uh so i have this svhs which was uh okay so recently you did a, a thing there was a scavenger hunt where somebody had to go into their boots and skivvies in the urinal that same scavenger hunt they had us play this in a radio shack and it's uh, it's a video of somebody with a Herbert Hoover toy cursing and then gives you like the number of a Chinese restaurant we had to go to. And so we all went to the mall and played this at different electronic stores and all got kicked out. The wizard scavenger hunts were pretty crazy. I think uh, that would have been a, a good sidebar to the feature as well. The things, the craziest things you had to find on a wizard scavenger hunt driving around, driving around Rockland County, New York. <laughs> what I remember from ours was an uncooked chicken nugget. And uh, as I recall, our team was the only one that got it. And it was just because we went to McDonald's last and they were just like, again? Okay, fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> happening. Go away. <laughs> I, I was transferring these tapes and I found the official Wizard Fan Awards from Chicago 99. Wow. Amazing. Some people never throw anything away. <laughs> See, as a VHS collector, I... I I, I want that. Who wants? I it? hope they've been converted to digital for preservation. I converted to digital. Who wants the VHS? That was me. <laughs> Russell and I will fight it out. Yeah, I don't know the VHS people. I accidentally stole the Gen 13 movie on VHS from the library, and I'm still trying to find it. I know it's here somewhere. Yes, yeah, I'm anxiously it. waiting. Accidentally. No, it, it really was. Because what happened was uh, I took it home and because I was doing a bunch of freelance work, I thought that I was still going to be doing office stuff. And then when my internship ended and they didn't have a desk for me, I ended up leaving earlier than I expected. And I like remember five years later opening a box and being like, oh, damn. <laughs> One fun feature, Brian, could be the a top 10 of going away artwork. Whenever someone departed wizard of their own volition. (laughs) 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 Somebody would have have artwork commissioned by usually their favorite artist or one of their favorite artists of that person. I think uh, Ben Morse has a piece of artwork. He's a huge Flash fan and uh, he had a piece of art where he's the Flash. I can't remember who drew it. There's a lot of art like that. And Toy Fair, we, we picked up on that trend where we would have a custom figure made in the likeness of departing uh, folk. When I first started, they were walking me around the office and Andy Cardone had the page from Strangers in Paradise where somebody cursed Andy Cardone's name hanging on his door. Um, <laughs> that really was, Adam, insult to injury that the people who got laid off did not get the fantastic artwork. I know. Or people who quit unexpectedly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
I remember, I remember complaining about that. I, like, I quit pretty quickly and I was like, shit, I didn't get my figure. <laughs> <laughs> or full stop. Anybody that worked upstairs had no idea that this was going on, Adam. We didn't know any of that fun thing was happening. Wow. Also, Anime it, Insider, we had no toy contacts. Certainly no one in Japan was talking to us. So we just got like a pat on the ass and move along, sir. Bottle of sake. Oh. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, I, I have the my sad departure when the magazine shut down is I have been winning the, you know, whenever you're talking with someone and it's like, oh, it was talking about past jobs and like, you know, past layoffs. I always win the contest for best story because how that happened. Go for it. I was on vacation in Japan. Uh, nice. and they didn't even like it. We had just finished. For some, for whatever reason, the issue we had just finished required a lot of w- late nights and work. And so I was on vacation for a week because Japan, our designer also took some days off. So Summer, uh, editor-in-chief at the time, Summer Mullins, was the only one actually in the office. Call- they never called to tell me that I had lost my job. I got an email from Summer at like 7 a.m. <laughs> Japan time being like, hey, call me when you can and I, I immediately knew so I made yeah. a really fast international call from the Ryokan and I was like all right I gotta keep you know I gotta keep this short because this is gonna be expensive are we are we shit canned and she was like yes I was like okay oh thanks I'll talk to you when I get back from Japan Jesus. $17 <laughs> to find that out yeah yeah uh, and- a good transition to our action figures. I think that's next on the agenda. So let's do it. So for those, yeah, who didn't get your custom action figures, this is a great feature. I think you need to have an electronic playset, like the old Simpsons electronic playsets, where you plug in the characters and they'd say the dialogue. So you'd have you'd have the Garib Seamus action figure, and you'd plug it into uh, different offices around the building, and you'd always say the same thing: just "Hello, hey, how's it going?" And then he'd leave, just off to the next room. Hello, I'm Garib. Do you work for me? <laughs> What's your name what again? What would be the sections of the office then? If we're going to start with the playset, then work on what your your action accessory or feature and accessories would be. What what sections of the office do you need to highlight that connect together? The front lobby with the pinball machine and the foosball machine and the ping pong table that nobody ever used except for interns on their first day only. <laughs> yeah. The bullpen is the, the heart and soul of of the building and everything it kind of was at the center as well. So everything else spun off from that. The, the dark and stormy design office with not a single light on. <laughs> I think you have to buy all, I think you have to buy the shitty little price guide office to get the piece of the bullpen. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the only way you're going to get the bullpen. You have to buy the intern cave, the research office. You need the research office. Dan, you need Dan Riley. That's very fair. Yes. I feel like the Anime Insider and Toy Fair offices are just like these small little cubes and they like click on to the rest of the set. <laughs> they, were, they were just on the one side of the building. We each had our whole team stuck in these uh, not very <laughs> large. They come, they come packaged together and they're optional. Yeah. You don't have to get them really. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the Anime Insider section, like we're the ones, our, our action figure play set bits, we're the ones that, get us sued because uh our action figures are going to come with tons of very 
choking hazard small other action figures because we were just constantly buying blind boxes from the Japanese bookstore at the mall. <laughs> and it was we had a gambling problem. <laughs> like maybe yeah, we'll I get feel- the good figure this time. Yeah, and I feel like even though the comics library was nowhere near the research office, they should come together because library, um, yeah, because every intern spent many hours up in that sweaty, horrible, dusty library. It <laughs> should yeah, be like yeah. a secret passage, like a, a a bookcase opens up to a, a stone walled hallway that goes to the research office and back. I think I, think I spent a good week and organizing. They're like, "Oh, why don't you go organize the comics?" and it was it was impossible. It was an impossible job. The airflow was awful in that room. Even if oh you God, turned like a giant fan on at the end of the hallway, right? Like during the summer, that was the worst place and, in, and in the building. In the summer, it was awful. It was it was heavy and it was sweaty. It was like you felt like you had a layer of dust on you when you came downstairs. It was it was gross. You couldn't breathe. It was awful. But they're like, no, it's it's okay. You'll be fine up there. Okay, they find me dead hours later. And uh, in the middle, by Jimmy Eats World is always playing in that section of the toy set. <laughs> I think the Wizard World convention exclusive playset would be the bathroom, and it would have special uh, a feature where if you put cold water onto the toilet, then the poop would disappear. But when it dried off, the poop would reappear magically, and you'd have to keep <laughs> getting it wet to get the toilet the poop to disappear. It's a it's an old action feature, but I think it still holds up. <laughs> the Toy Fair library needs to be a set for sure. Admittedly, it is all just boxes but it's so full of implied promise that it's super attractive as a playset. That'd be a lot of accessories in that playset. Yeah. For the hazards. <laughs> oh, it would come with a Mego Spidey. That, it, it, that's gold right there. <laughs> but I think you need the warehouse too, because especially where the photo shoots were always done in the warehouse and all the nonsense on the back. And then there's that one spot where all the pictures were, where all the, all the photo shoots. Were. Yeah, you need that. Battle like, damage they, Donato. Donato's, <laughs> how does it build the figure? You have to build it. If you collect the sets, you build them. But for no, Buddy, I have a question for you, Buddy, real quick. For yours, I think if anybody remembers the old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles pizza shooter vehicle, I think oh, yeah. Buddy's needs to shoot AOL subscription discs. <laughs> I think just the trial discs. <laughs> Yeah, Adam and Buddy, you guys have to tell us what the upstairs place I would have because no one knows what goes on up there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> upstairs. Place. I mean, I read the news, so I have some idea of what's going on up there. <laughs> the convention's office uh, the would be furnished like a Southern Victorian home for some damn reason because <laughs> somebody got a budget for office furniture and. Uh, uh, a lot of phones, just phones, like 12 phones on every single desk. Yeah, and, and, the, and those little calculators that they punch the numbers and do the crank. That's all we did upstairs. <laughs> we just hit numbers and we kept downstairs running, just punch the numbers faster. All right, Doug, did you have a suggestion as we close out here for what your action feature and or accessory might be for your action figure? For my action figure, um, you press the button and its little eyes slowly close and a little nice little drifting off to sleep music plays. <laughs> and then it just gets put on a little little cushion and you leave it alone for eight hours. <laughs> no, you push a button and a new magazine pops out. <laughs> this one's about pogs. Let's go with it. We should have Doug's house as one of the action playsets as well, because so many staffers live there at various times. And there were so many parties thrown there as well. And so many people got punched in the face there occasionally. 
and leaped off the balcony. Funny thing about Doug Jackson. It sounded like someone died there. It was just a wild time, not a fatal time. Doug's not saying anything. As far as I know. Don't want to incriminate himself. You know, I remember a lot of alcohol. I remember a wheel of shots where you had to spin the wheel as you walked in the door and uh, do whatever shot that was that came up on the wheel. I think we were, I mean, that's pretty stupid. (laughs) But we loved it. It's like. There was an arcade machine in there. There was a Kung Fu. I think James Walker put an arcade machine in there. Yes. And then the landlord begged us to turn it off because he could tell him the electric bills the second we plugged it in. That was awesome. Actually, I think that is a feature that needs to be in this, like partying without you or you're not invited, you know, like is the you didn't make the list where you guys tell stories of the wizard events. Because I, like Arlene So just shared with us, we had her on. She couldn't make it tonight, but she gave us a, an invitation to one of the Halloween parties. And that was just like fantastic. I don't know who typed it up, if it was Pat or whoever, but just the invitation was hilarious. And then there was like the tarot card reading and all this stuff going on there. I was like, wow. So any particular Wizard after hours is good stuff. <laughs> Wizard after hours feature would be fun. Convention My joke. My favorite party was the one where we meet up each room in the house as a different genre of movies with different posters and lighting and stuff. And the bathroom was pornography and we left like erotic novels on the toilet and stuff like that. <laughs> I, I don't know where those novels ended up, but that was class. He said as he glanced at his bookshelf just now. <laughs> <laughs> Brian had to step out for a second here. So Doug, if you want, <laughs> I could put you in charge or I could take I over. would love to be in charge. Where are we? <laughs> uh, really? Last man standing. Yeah. Last man standing, that's where we are? Yeah, we, we haven't made it very far. <laughs> well, like every other meeting. <laughs> we had original artwork made showing two awesome superheroes or villains battling out from different universes. And we gave our opinion, which was the most important opinion, of who would win. And uh, what I read here is that somebody had the idea that it would be East versus West for this conversation, which manga icons would fight which Western comic book heroes. And I think Rob would best know who, who would be a good matchup there. Well, we can go two ways about this for the, at least the Eastern side. I have no business picking the Western side. The only anime character anyone in Wizard Entertainment knew who was not on Anime Insider was Goku from Dragon Ball Z. But again, it's weird. I got another call from Rob Felton while we were all talking who said that it had to be the nitwit from Duel Masters. So whoever you want to fight a small child with a deck of cards, like that's that's gonna work for upstairs. Great. And Gambit against Gambit. Honestly, that is one hundred percent something that would have happened. It might have actually happened. That'd be amazing if we were just recreating content that had been in the magazine. Years ago. <laughs> like, I am. You got me locked. I'm so deadly serious about Gambit versus Duel Master that that is the most wizard thing I can comprehend right now. Wasn't Yu-Gi-Oh a frequent uh, cover subject for your? Yeah, but we got paid by Duel Masters. <laughs> what? What a scoop! <laughs> Yeah, Duel, everyone remembers Duel Masters. They're shady upbringing. Yeah, it's really going to bring the Duel Masters down. 
Yeah, good idea is a good idea. Looks like we got to the bottom of that one. So yeah, yeah, yeah. versus Gambit. Well, I do think one of the things that made Wizards great is that all of us got to put our opinions in the magazines, either by silly little word balloon that said "I like pie" or uh, doing "The Last Man Standing." Somebody mentioned this earlier, and I hate it. Where we were making fun of the Legion of Superheroes once, and I was bitching that all their names are dumb, like I eat. I eat things, lad, and I fly, boy, and, and garbage like that. And then I joked, there's got to be one called Keep Squeezing Them Monkeys, lad. And to my horror, everybody loved that. <laughs> and then and then you guys just ran with it, and it became a character in the magazine. And I just was like, guys, guys, guys. And that lasted like a year or something. When I first started, it was my first issue was Wizard 99, I think. And so Wizard 2000 was when you guys did the, the last man standing that was the wizard bunny killing, keep squeezing the monkey's lad because <laughs> you couldn't stand it anymore. That's a good issue then. Neither could the guy in the suit. Yeah. <laughs> I used to love doing the word balloons. Uh, it was actually challenging to do because some, some days I just didn't feel funny enough, but when, it was so fun to come up with the right thing. But at Anime Insider, again, uh, one of the Japanese companies, I believe it was Shueisha, it was like big no-no. Like you can't put word balloons on our characters, which would not be such a big deal, except Shueisha did some of like the biggest anime of the time. Like they they put out Bleach. So frustrated. It's like, oh, I have so many good ideas. I think I did get around it once by the merchandise section a couple action figures from Bleach came out. I was like, well, it's fine if I put the word balloons on the on the toys. That's not doing it on the screenshots. It's fine. We know <laughs> we know your pain, Angela, because there was a famous point where the DC Comics characters mysteriously disappeared from Twisted Toy Fair Theater, never to return again. Oh, no. And then suddenly these uh, these new characters appeared. Uh, Bat Pumpkin and... Bat Pumpkin and Squash. Psychic <laughs> <laughs> Squash. And their arch enemies, the Juicer. <laughs> Crazy cat lady. <laughs> There's some more. <laughs> but Doug, your your example of keep squeezing that monkey's lad is a great uh, illustration of an important lesson that I learned partly at your feet from the magazine, which is never suggest something in jest that you don't want to see actually show up in the magazine. Anyone else have a memory of something? Did I say how glad I am that my articles aren't archived online anywhere? <laughs> We're working on it. We're working on it for you, Chris. For oh, all you, uh, all you who put in the hard work, we're going to see if we can't create a, a source for that. So we'll you're see. dedicating internet space for that? Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> there's so little left. I don't oh. have a big enough server to put. I'm not hosting that stuff on my server. No, I'm sorry, Adam. That's all you, buddy. It's all you. Gonna, I'm going to keep sending you Batman action figures until you agree. Oh boy, the wheels. The Christian Bale with the mask off and spray paint not finished. <laughs> Batman action figures. I've got about four thousand of those in my basement right now. <laughs> I made a that's, fort. That's pretty funny. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, I believe you. I, I totally kind of wanting one. I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna we, lie. I think we gave those away at the Wizard Wheel in uh, at conventions for about four years after they were made. It was it was one of those at like in the last year we had it like maybe fifty left of them, and it was the year that I worked in conventions, and we would bring boxes and boxes and boxes of these things to shows. 
And we would come back with boxes and boxes. We'd, you know, only get rid of a few. And at the last show that we had them, we were giving them out like hand over fist and people were winning them were like, oh, 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 just constant disappointment sighs the whole day. It was a really proud moment in my career. Prior to doing this podcast, I was strictly like limiting myself to just getting like Funko Pops and Hot Toys. And because of Adam, I'm like going back into the 80s and 90s and rebuying all these this shit for triple the price that I paid for it when I was a kid. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have all this crap in my house now. It's unbelievable. They're sitting in containers. That, that is the perfect segue for our next feature, I believe, Doug. Yeah, this is a... Now we're, we're, this is a special episode of, of this podcast. <laughs> where where do we think Wizards' responsibility or culpability lied in feeding the collector's mentality of the 90s and beyond, leading to the current craze of slabbing their comics and outrageous prices and stuff? Do we believe that Wizard had a part in that? Let's ask J. Scott Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, I've yes. got a, I've got a fun nice Everybody put your hands up. Everybody put your hands up. All 10 fingers. Everybody put your hands up on a scale of zero to 10. Zero being we had nothing. To, Wizard had nothing to do with it. And 10 being it's fully responsible and should be sent to Taiwanese prison. How culpable is Wizard in the current state of affairs with comics? Zero to 10. Go. Ten. All right. Brian, Brian, uh, uh, warm off. Calculate the numbers for me. What are you seeing the averages? What are you seeing the averages? Come off mute and what's the average? So I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to, I'm doing the math right now. I'm trying to find the mean and I want to calculate the mode and range first before I come up with a final answer. But I think if we balance out the algorithm to produce the most accurate representation of the normal number of fingers being shown right now, it's probably 10. Well done. I do want to say, and please people say if I'm full of shit or not, the only time I ever remember someone saying, let's do this to influence people instead of just covering what was hot was when people said we should cover Valiant more because they'll bring back good writing the same way image exploded with the artwork. And that's the only time I remember someone saying there was an agenda before the content. I always thought we, we covered what the industry wanted us, was excited about it. Mean. Am I full of shit? Mm. Oh. It's loaded. It's a loaded question. There's so much, there's so much that went on. The top 10 uh, artists and writers was always uh, a marketing scheme. Uh, that, came, that came from, uh, you know, that didn't come from the Wizard bullpen. I so kind of figured the Friends of Wizard got, uh, you know, got mentioned. I mean, like, we had, we pushed Lady Death, like, hard. <laughs> like, and, and, you know, there's, I'll go to my grave uh, embarrassed about that. I mean, you know, I only played a very limited role, but... Uh, you know, I copy edited the text, so I am in fact uh, culpable. So I'll say that, like at least when I was there, the editorial team pushed really hard for like uh, stuff they authentically loved. I mean, that's sort of where it stopped and started. Um, and there were frequently fights about things that we loved that were kind of too small to take up space. There was this push and pull versus you know how much Marvel and DC versus I think it was like Ricky Purton who brought the. Uh, Matt Fury comic, the, the Pepe comic to everyone's attention before it was anything. And it was just a funny little comic. And now it is, it is what it is. But like, um, that was just a- I miss picking that up. I discovered that at San Diego the year mm -hmm. it came out. And I like, I miss like the purity of enjoying that comic right. as it was before the current context and having no idea what I only, I only knew it from Ricky. Later, whatever. It was 
a funny comic Ricky had. But yeah, when it came back out, like the way it is now, I was like, what the fuck's happening? <laughs> I will it's say, bad. I will say, Doug, you know, in terms of like the price guide and stuff like that, like people always asked if we made the prices up. But I know that the price guide editors. Like, that was a hard job. Ryan Panagos mm-hmm. and John Gutierrez on our end. Like they were, yeah. they were calling multiple comic shops every week, like asking them what they're selling. Yeah, it was yeah. work intensive. Yeah, I always watch people at conventions that were like, I heard the Seamus is on a comic book store. They're probably manipulating the price guide for that store. I'm like, yeah, they're going to ruin this magazine, which is like a national top selling magazine to sell five more copies of X-Men number one at their store. <laughs> I never got that. And I remember in my late days at Wizard, I was attending a lot of management meetings upstairs and there were several management meetings where someone not in the editorial department was saying, can we get more coverage of this? Because we want to do that. And the editorial guys would always push back and say, no, we can't just flat out. Nope, we cannot. And now that you mention it, we failed miserably with CrossGen. I feel like I did a lot of CrossGen. No, no. Bite your tongue. (laughs) There was a lot, a lot of stuff. But hey, here's some more CrossGen. I remember the map. I got a map of the worlds where each book had a goal. And actually, when uh, Greg was talking about Lady Death, I had a a memory about, especially with editorial, having to push certain things. I remember Andy Serwins coming into the research room and plopping about a stack this high of, of the Lady Death evil Ernie chaos universe and he with it with a chuckle (laughs) this is your job now and basically had to sit there and read through a lot of lady death purgatory all that stuff and he was very you know he was like ha ha i'm unloading on you bottom of the flower you know you're the you're the bottom here you know you know we're we're not going to deal with this crap anymore this is all your job and i had i had to write all of i became a chaos person and I'd have to write all these little features. But then I interviewed Polito and I felt really bad about making fun of any of that stuff because he was so passionate about it. <laughs> and he was such a nice person, <laughs> you know? And, and I, I said to Andy, I go, you know, you made, you made a joke about this and, you know, this isn't the best, you know, I wouldn't pick this up on my own. And it is, you know, TNA 9000. But he really loves what he's doing. It's, he felt he was really passionate about it. And he had a lot of fans. So whether it was like, maybe it did come push, you know, you know, push the chaos stuff because it was hot. I mean, this is like 2001, whatever it was. But I felt bad. I, I felt like whenever I wrote anything after that, I felt proud because like, oh, he's a really nice guy. I'll, I'll be nice about it this time. <laughs> and I'll add that Brian has outlasted most of the other indies of his contemporary time he has his own audience and he doesn't he doesn't need any fan press he, he just he goes at like, you go to a con his table's always crowded he runs oh, a yeah. kickstarter his he, kickstarters are massive he gets like a hundred thousand dollars yeah huge huge and and now dynamite purchased the chaos library oh, so no. all those characters are coming back and there's like all these like crossovers with, you know, Vampirella and Chastity and Purgatory. And, and I write for the beat and it's like, it's come full circle where now I'm once again, writing about chaos comics. It's like, it chases me. <laughs> I can't get away from Lady Death <laughs> because I'm the dynamite contact. I'm like, that's my beat, you know? And now I'm like, Are you freaking kidding me? Purgatory again. And it's, I'm back. That, it's like, it's like 20 years ago. You're like a scholar. I am the so if you need me, if you need anything about chaos comics, just like, I'm your girl. Just call me. I'd like to just note for a second. Um, 
when when the editorial staff took a hard line with their integrity of editorial content and vision, people darkened my doorway and informed me that we were creating a feature on some obscure cat character or publisher because it was a value add. And most of that was advertising dri driven or some sort of promotion driven. But I ended up covering a lot of those things that you guys hadn't, I couldn't, I couldn't say no, it was only one of me. So it was me and Russ and they separated us immediately. So I was upstairs and Russ was in the stable. Remember Russ's, his stable, it was, he was in there like there was no door, nothing. He was by the printer. He was, he was by, by the printer. Anytime I print, print, they'd be like, hey Russ, constantly distracted. Isn't that the original intern cave? It was a week. That was where they kept stable. the loser the comics stable. too. Near the bathroom. It was the right bathroom. Next to, the next to the bathroom. Yeah, it was next to the bathroom. And then he was by himself in there and the printer was there. And I felt bad because I was like, there's a paper jam. Do you know what to do? <laughs> My favorite arguments that we had to get into though were when we did a huge feature, like the top 100, whatever. And it, it was the interest staff arguments about what should go where. One of my favorite me memories as an intern was taking part in a wizard. It was a top 100 cartoon series of all time. I sure. remember this. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I never felt cooler than like, sitting around feature. with the wizard staff and like being like, no, The Simpsons is better than Looney Tunes or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, that was my favorite. We did, um, actually I have the issue here because I went and pulled out a few from my library for Anime Insiders. Uh, 50th wow. issue, the top 50 anime. We had like multiple, like hours long meetings hashing this out. And it was really fun. And looking at it now, like some of it really holds up. And like, I, I still think Cowboy Bebop is a solid number one pick. Yeah, of course. In other ways, it's like this list is like early 2000s, is, or not, I guess not early. Uh, mid to late 2000s is hell. <laughs> Some of the picks on here, and I'm like, Jinro, the Wolf Brigade, at number seven, really? Uh, I understand this perfectly, Angela. Like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I lived that so hard. But I also lived so many of these toy fair meetings, and it was special because, like, we would do the top 25 Star Wars toys of all time, and the wacky thing about that is that we would have a million meetings and insane things would be decided, decided by a strange committee, but I would always write them. So it would be me saying that the Naboo Royal Spaceship is the greatest Star Wars toy of all time. No one else had a byline on it. It was just me because <laughs> I wrote all the text, but everyone was culpable in that absolutely insane decision. <laughs> that didn't happen adam didn't you guys ask me about that we did yeah that i specifically found that and i was like really yeah. you yeah, chose yeah, this yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good to know that the fan press has not changed at all in 20 years because at comicbook.com i still find myself doing very similar things where like 26 people cast a vote that's weighted by some weird variables and then it's just like okay well write this <laughs> well not to get heavy but that is part of Wizards' legacy. And I don't mean that negatively. I mean, like, that's what people wanted to read. And that's a sort of story that adapts over time and it gets comments and thoughts and so forth like that. It's, I don't think that's a bad thing. Those wizard listicles were great. For sure, for sure. Are we, are we responsible for BuzzFeed? <laughs> 
That's a hot. Take. I mean, we pre we predated all that stuff, you know. If you think well, about it. Speaking of uh, questionable editorial decisions, we were rarely allowed to bash anything. We kept a positive attitude. It wasn't our job to denounce anybody, but we had fun with something called Morts of the Month, which was this little half-page section where we just picked out this obscure character that we said, this guy's the Mort of the Month. He is ridiculous. And I want to point out the word Mort just sounded funny. It wasn't supposed to be poking fun of anybody who, na- who was named Mort. Uh, but who would be the biggest guy now? Who would be the biggest Mort of the Month if the magazine came out now? Because Suicide Squad came out like five minutes ago, we would have some kind of gigantic Mort of the Month joke article, I feel like. We would put together our own Suicide Squad. Yeah. For sure. And it would be just Balloon Buster and... Anger and Screamer. Yeah. Are, are there such things as Morts anymore? I mean, Rocket Raccoon is more recognizable than Superman. So yeah. Yeah, I don't know who that would be. You know, we, yeah, but Suicide Squad is a great example of that. Now we've got a movie where with Weasel and King Shark. <laughs> well, and I mean, think about Tom King's run on Batman where he had the Kite Man thing and everybody now loves Kite Man. Right. Uh, I think the, the memification of pop culture means that anybody who's super crappy is immediately super likable. Uh, well, and I think like, that's what it is. I think we have to flip it now where it's like yeah. the, the title is Mort Triumphant. And so you just take all of the Mort of the Months that have now become super popular. You just look back in the magazine's history and say, yep, now this guy, now this guy, now this guy, yeah. we probably reverse it and say he's the Trom of the Month. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we did. You made fun. up word. Very good, Doug. Very it's a good. great word. We're running short on time here uh, as we as we get down to it. So I say, why don't we just jump ahead to the last uh, idea just there before item three, Doug, and see if there's anything else. Yeah, and you guys, we can uh, get ready to close out. You guys may not remember, but we would shove as much crap in those poly bags as we possibly could because it turned out the fans loved that shit, and if we did more of it, they would buy more copies. So comic books, trading cards, even just postcards and advertisements all went in the, in the poly bag with the magazine. Nowadays, what would we shove in there to get people excited? And don't say AOL discs, because we, we did that enough. I think if we were doing this today, Garib would have his own cryptocurrency. That would be their new thing. Oh my God. And yeah. it would be like, it would be like Garib coin and you would have a code to get in on this what are those new things, the NFTs, where you buy it once and you own that digital art forever? That's what I'm talking about. They would, that every single yep. the wizard art ever is going to be sold on that thing. Wizard, yeah, Bunny, wizard Bunny NFTs? Someone oh, should make that. Every picture of a Simpsons toy would absolutely be an NFT. Uh, I hate to tell you, but that is actually fair game now. You can take a photo of a Simpsons toy and make an NFT out of it and sell it for money if someone wants to pay you. <laughs> Cool. Life That's sucks. how that bullshit works. <laughs> I was I was I was actually just looking at a website last night and somebody had a like photograph of a Batman action figure as an NFT that they were auctioning. And it already had like 20 bucks or something down in the like you know, you can see what the bids are at. What is this website? What is it? <laughs> Go to ryan.warmoth.net slash NFTs. So Doug, I always loved when the magazines came polybagged with a, a one-half issue or a comic book. I think a great uh, publication to polybag in would be the Pat McCallum Guide to Pranks and Jests because mm. he was obviously the master of it. 
and I think you should uh, pass that wisdom on. Here, here. A wizard face mask, definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Is anybody selling superhero face masks yet? Oh yeah. I mean, they got a license that. That Olympian had a Hulk like face mask. I can't remember her name. Or like the Optimus Prime face thing with the face. Oh, there's gotta be. No one's kept, no one's doing their job anymore. <laughs> uh, I saw a guy with the shredder mask and that was good. Mine just says Josie and the Pussycats is the best movie ever. Join the army. So <laughs> Agree. Is that a segue into the plugs, Adam? <laughs> I know. It seems like we're about ready, right? <laughs> Speaking of the masks, though, on our T Public Store, you can get a wizard's face mask from us <laughs> if you really want one. It's wizards with an S. We're going to get sued. <laughs> I'd be denying my Toy Fair roots if I didn't suggest a faker variant where he's actually blue. Like the faker variant for. Uh, the 2002 cartoon that we did for Toy Fair was like one of the proudest moments of my life because it was so well, anymore, personal. It's crazy. Indeed. So let's do that. Or we could pack in Adam Tracy's lightly used Wolverine post. <laughs> Why not both? Lightly well, is, soiled. Is it? Yeah, I was going to say, is it lightly used? Can we, can we add in Heavily my stained. Cowboy Bebop misspelled poster? <laughs> is that the one where you were quoted as saying it was today's hottest kind of cool? It was. I, for, I, I, the line is terrible. I forget how they messed it up. But yeah, it's. Wasn't it like hotest? Yeah, pretty much. I think in honor of bean power, though, it, there needs to be a wizard beanie baby also that is just made available again. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy yeah. is not on board for this. <laughs> wizard, the wizard rabbit is a beanie baby, yeah. Hey, see? I would also, <laughs> I'd like to propose a new wizard scavenger hunt. And what you need to find is our custom Twisted Toy Fair Theater Amigos because they just disappeared when the office shut down and uh, nobody knows where they are right now. Well, no. Have you checked Heritage Austrians? <laughs> <laughs> They're not at the Smithsonian? No? Didn't make it that far? They should be. Those Amigo customs were intense. Well, Adam, is it time for the good night section? I think it is. This has been fun. I'll just take it from here. We'll start with my namesake, Adam. Anything you want to plug at this time? You want to point the people to? Can they get a hold of you anywhere? You can find me on LinkedIn. <laughs> Hire me, please. <laughs> no, I, I have a great job. I work for a coaching and training company, uh, teaching people how to uh, speak better and present better and give better meetings. We could have used a little of that shit before we started. <laughs> you already had the game, like, I'm a coach. I could give some tips. It's like, here we are. It's over. Yeah. You're uncoachable, Chris Ward. You're a loose yeah, cannon. Exactly. Can. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's called the uh, life hikes own the room. If you're interested in getting better at speaking publicly or get rid of your stage fright, own the room life hikes. Nice. Mr. Zach Oat, where could people find your wares? I'm a diamond select toys now. But you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Zach Oat, Z-A-C-H-O-A-T. And I also have an Etsy shop where I sell t-shirts, 24-7 Magnum at Etsy.com. They're awesome so. t-shirts. <laughs> Thank yes, you. They are. they are. And also my toy photography, too. Wormuth, are you wearing one right now? I'm wearing one of Zach's t-shirts right now. You're kidding me. Wow. No, awesome. Manly Mo Movie Mama Jama, number five. That's awesome. Nice. No better endorsement. <laughs> Deanna, where can people read what you're writing? 
So I am a staff writer at The Beat. So I have my weekly columns and news about my two, the ones that I write the most about are Dynamite and Vault. And then I also do a year of free comics every Monday and I do the small press spotlight. So I make sure that the little guy struggling to get their books out gets a little bit of attention. And then I also, on the side, I have, I just actually... Uh, put out a collection of short stories on Amazon Kindle. It's uh, called A Tale Story at Night. You can go and download it. If you have the Kindle Unlimited, it's free. Um, if not, it's $4.99. And um, I'm also working on a paperback version of that as well. And then also um, Russ Wooten, who we talked about before, we have been putting out um, a horror comic anthology. We had one version of the, it's the volume one was back a couple years ago. Volume one came out from on Kickstarter. And then we are currently working on volume two. So hopefully we'll, that's pretty much done-ish. So hopefully we'll have that Kickstarter soon. And actually Mike Fasolo, the famous Mike Fasolo, he wrote a story for that as well. Fantastic. Yeah. So there's some wizard history wrapped up in that project. That's (laughs) great. Angela, how about you? If you want to read my stuff, you can visit Convenience Store News now, which sounds super boring. Uh, And it probably is, unless you're in that particular retail channel. Angela, I I am. I didn't know you wrote for Convenience Store News. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I work. Yeah, I know. I'm familiar with your publication. Holy shit. I had yeah. no idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm on the food food and beverage beat, including alcohol. So it's way more fun than you would think because I get a, I get good samples. What are your pack-ins like? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Brian, why don't you tell us, Brian Warmoth? I, I apologize. So many Brian. That's right. No, you just find me by my last name, Warmoth, on Twitter. <laughs> you can also find me at warmoth.org. Uh, I do a lot of different things, but you can find out about it there. Greg Orlando, where can people play along with you? Uh, I write the video games, the kids they love so much. Uh, my last game was uh, Marvel's VR Iron Man. And you should play it uh, because I probably will get some residuals. Uh, and uh, my Twitter is or the land of the G. It's nothing special, but uh, you should go visit anyway. <laughs> hey, Russ Burlingame, what do you got going on over there? I write for comicbook.com, so most days you can head over there and see between five and ten stories I've written. And I probably, by the time this runs, uh, just published my first book, Best Movie Ever, which is an oral history of the 2001 Josie and the Pussycats movie. Awesome. Nice. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, which you can, it's up for pre-order now on Amazon, but uh, like I said, I imagine by the time the episode's out, you could just, you know, get it. It's totally jerking, everybody. Take a read. <laughs> Buddy Scalera, how about you? Well, you can find me doing comic book education through the comic book school at comicbookschool.com on all social channels, Instagram, Twitter, and I believe I have a TikTok account, too. That's how old I am. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I have one. So I was actually tweeting and talking today from the Eternal Con where I was doing educational panels to help people to improve themselves in the craft and business of professional comic book storytelling. Well, buddy, we challenge you to come up with the official wizard dance on TikTok. Okay. It would be me not with a shirt on. (laughs) I think that's pretty much every time I was in wizard, I didn't have a shirt on. I'm not sure why. (laughs) All right. Rob Bricken. Yeah. I write for io9.com. I write non-nerdy stuff. 
at other places, so who cares? But yeah, there we go. Chris Ward, you said you haven't read a comic in a while. What are you up to these days? <laughs> Not in decades. I, I'm in advertising, so my work is all around me. <laughs> Every time you are trying to close a pre-roll ad on YouTube, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Justin Acklin, what do you want to tell us about? Um, you can find me at Justin Acklin on Twitter, A-C-L-I-N, and JustinAcklin.com, where you can read about some of my comic books that uh, have come out in the past. Some of them you can read for free on uh, Comicsology Unlimited and other stuff like that. Hoopla, does anyone have Hoopla? It's really great through your local library. You can get free comic books. Yeah, and I'm shopping some new stuff around right now, and I just uh, love to write comic books. Excellent. Brian Cunningham, what do you want to tell the folks about? Uh, you will find my name in uh, the Mad Ghost comics, which are published by Image. Uh, Jeff Johns, Gary Frank uh, do a book called Geiger. Uh, and uh, I'm editing that along with other Mad Ghost uh, projects. And I'm working for a small company called Immortal Studios, which won't be small for long, but they're publishing uh, comics in the wuxia genre which is, is Kung Fu, martial artists, stuff like that. It's, it's uh, fun stuff. And I'll be teaching this fall at UCLA's extension program uh, on comics and graphic novels. Awesome. Doug Goldstein, dare we ask what you're up to? Only if you want to. Um, <laughs> Tom Root and I are together the head writers of Robot Chicken and season 11 starts soonish. I'm not quite sure, but it exists. And I had my own show on uh, the sci-fi network called Devil May Care, which is now on Peacock. And they have yet to decide if they're renewing it for season two. So I think if everyone goes to Peacock right now and watches it, it would be a great help to go on. Really funny. Love that show. Thanks, Ross. Thanks, Ed. Fantastic. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. This was so much fun. Thank you for your stories. Thank you for your time. There were a ton of other people that wanted to participate and be a part of this and just schedules didn't line up, unfortunately. So thank you all uh, who wanted to be here that were here in spirit. I'm glad we got to mention so many of your names uh, in the stories that were shared. Uh, be sure to follow us at Wizards Comics on Twitter, at Wizards underscore comics on Instagram. Stay tuned in. Subscribe on on YouTube. That's where you'll get this video. You're watching it now. Hey, how about that? But there's also a podcast version. If you just want to hear the voices in your head, the voices of wizard history ringing throughout, then sure, be sure to download that. And uh, again, thank you all for joining us. And thank you for listening. So until next time, keep your books bagged and boarded. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.